with a vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about confabulation in supervision and counseling. We read A Beginner's Guide to Client Confabulation, published in Counseling Today 2020. Heather, let's start with a good definition of confabulation. What is confabulation? It's filling in the blanks of memories. So it could be piecing together things? Right. It could be putting pieces in your mind together to make the memory whole. So filling in the blank. Right. I think it also means pulling information or context right. for a memory from other things. Like a story someone told you, a family picture right. helps you to create a more complete memory. And right. some of that might not be completely factual. Right. It's like finding a picture of yourself when you're little and noticing where were we? Somebody giving you some details and then you kind of put together what you think right. the reality was. That is a good example. It doesn't just happen to kids though, does it? No, it can happen to anybody mm-hmm. at any age. Okay. Can you think of a time where you've worked with a client that you think was really affected by this or maybe using this? I think sometimes clients that have some cognitive distortions or a substance abuse history tend to not have real great whole memories. They remember bits and pieces, mm-hmm. put in some information that seems like it would fit. Mm-hmm. And and truthfully, maybe it's just filling those holes, filling those blanks, time and place in chronological order. Mm-hmm. This description that we're giving also reminds me of working with kids, kids that tell white lies. Right. You know, that age where there's a lot of white lies. I don't think there's any purpose in it other than just filling in the blanks or right. making a complete story. And some of the ways that they're describing something or the memory that they have is pretty benign. There's mm-hmm. not just a little off. And if you didn't really know the memory, you may not pick up on it. Yeah. If they're a client or supervisor is telling you something, you might not know the difference right. between whether it's completely factual or not. Correct. Or it might take you a while. Right. Yeah. Pick up on over time. I can think of a situation with a client where this happened and some stories would get retold a couple sessions later mm-hmm. and I'd have to check out the facts. Or it would make you think that didn't match what you exactly right. what you said last time we talked about it. Mm-hmm. I can remember a, a handful of clients where I've actually been able to recognize that they weren't doing this because of that. They told the same memory over mm-hmm. and over and over and it was really pretty consistent. Okay, There yeah. might be a couple of additional details mm-hmm. but same people, same place, right. same, same, right. same time in their history. Mm-hmm. I knew that this is a pretty solid memory. Right. Do you think, does it come into supervision? I think it might. The examples that I can think of, the supervisee's client was doing some of this. The supervisee was coming to supervision and maybe feeling a little bit confused, like you and I are describing. Like they're reflecting back and thinking, that just doesn't all fit together. And they're they're starting to see some of the holes in the memories or they're starting to realize that doesn't seem like a real memory. Mm -hmm. Are there other ways that this could happen in supervision? As 
a supervisee, it could make them feel a little like, did I miss something or did I mm, not doubt catch? themselves? Or they're very overworked and they've got so many clients. They're like, wait, did I already hear this story? Did I not? You know, like mm. they're they're questioning, are these things blending together or right? You know, okay. What is not confabulation? What's something that you might see in a client or a supervisee that you know is not confabulation? Lying and in, in how we know they're lying is always the question. Like, how do we know True. clients are lying? Usually you can see it because there's plan. If they're lying with intent to manipulate something or cover up something, that's mm-hmm. not confabulation. That's mm-hmm. something very different. Mm-hmm. That's tricky, isn't it? What if confabulation, not because it's the intent or the sole purpose, but it does actually cover up something and maybe lessens a hurt feeling okay. yes. or kind of makes a relationship that could be really crummy, but it's important. It kind of smooths that over for the client. Could happen, yes. Um, not, it's not malintended. Right. It's not meant to hurt. So I think that that could happen easily. If you're picking up on the fact that there is an awareness that it's happening, this is the story I'm telling myself and everyone else. Oh, so what if they're telling you one version right. and somebody else a different version and somebody else another version, then that to you is not confabulation. Right. You were trying to control or manipulate or change for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Can you think of a time where that's happened in session? You pick up on someone not giving you a full memory or a, a complete factual memory within purpose. I can think of a situation actually with a client, not so much in supervision, when they were giving their accounts of what had gone on in a couple session. The husband's account and the wife's account did not match. But when you started telling their story together, there was huge holes that were left out because it made the husband look bad, it made him look worse than mm-hmm. what maybe his intentions were. And mm-hmm. so I think that was a direct kind of cover up. Like we don't have to tell her everything. Right. Picture some of those. Having worked with a family uh, that's in the middle of a divorce right. and they're kind of fudging the, the, the timeline, mm-hmm. which then makes it less obvious that someone cheated. Right. But all the grownups know someone cheated. Right. But maybe that's something they're so, not going to disclose to give Right. Kids. So that's not confabulation. Right. They're aware. Right. They're choosing not to give that full story. I can imagine maybe this happening with a supervisee when they are embarrassed oh. describing how they handled the situation. Right. Tent, cover up. Right. I can't imagine a supervisee doing this in a really obvious big way. Right. They maybe soften the edges mm-hmm. of a story, give a lot of reasoning or explanation for something right. that they did. Heather, what do you do <laughs> when confabulation enters supervision or counseling? I go to a, of getting the client and or supervisee to question their their behavior. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying to get them retelling events, which could just be almost encouraging confabulation. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, why do you think you did that? What were you connected to emotionally? I mean, a- asking those kind of questions to get them not just retelling the story. Because mm-hmm. sometimes the actual facts don't really matter that much. That's what I was going to ask. Do you think your purpose is to get them to recognize that they are using some confabulation or I, not? I can think of some situations where I've worked with clients and they remember it and confabulate a little bit to soothe themselves. Mm -hmm. And maybe undoing that isn't necessary. Maybe just letting them connect emotionally. What were you feeling at this time? Instead of retelling the story over and over again, asking them when you slam that door and march down the stairs, what were you trying to tell your parents? Yeah. I think we're talking about you and I are describing narrative therapy Mm, that they've created, at least the way that you and I right now are talking about confabulation 
mentioned the idea that narrative therapy is kind of focused around that they've rewritten the story mm-hmm. in a way that is something they can understand or feels comfortable or could even be comforting. And times when you're saying it is beneficial to a client to rewrite that story or examine the story. Again. And then maybe are you also saying that there are times where it wouldn't be all that beneficial for someone to rewrite the story again. Maybe they the way they've revised it works has some benefit to right. them. I was kind of thinking along the same lines. For me, I think the answer is it depends. Right. It depends on is this why they came to counseling? Right. Or is this so besides the point or outside of the, the treatment focus that we can we could maybe at a later date examine that, but it's not what they're there for right. or what they want. And that maybe not in all cases is it that useful to maybe sometimes re-traumatize right. by yeah. exposing a more factual right. we want to look example for of the history. What is our intent as a counselor or as a supervisor to untie these things? If it's happening and we're aware of it, is there a purpose that we would want to interrupt that cycle? Is there mm-hmm. a reason for it? Before mm-hmm. we just dive in and go, eh, no, reset. I think this is something that you didn't say, but I think I would start with asking them what their emotional experience is of the memory, maybe even regardless of whether we're going to examine how factual it is or not, understanding the emotions that they have mm-hmm. involved in it. Much more important than Right, might be actual... more valuable right. in a counseling session. Do you think the same is true for supervision? I think it can be. I think that the difference in supervision, especially if it's coming from a supervisee and their experience with a client, that might be a little different to coach or unravel because you're not sitting in that session to see it unfold. I think confabulation is hard to pass down secondhand, mm-hmm. hard to explain unless you're in the session and, and getting kind of the word by word dialogue. Mm-hmm. But if your supervisee is describing confabulation that they think their client's involved in, I think it would be important to talk that through. And every therapist has a different way of doing therapy. And maybe for them and their model, it's really important. They really right. have to untie that. I think I might look at it the same, but the maybe the difference would be that I look at supervisees and counts and counseling clients differently. Right. That I already want the client or I'm sorry, I already want the supervisee to have emotional distance and perspective. Correct. We might start with how do you feel about this or what's your emotional reaction mm-hmm. to this? But I wouldn't be as concerned with maintaining like their homeostasis right. by right. maintaining their this right. narrative story right. that they've created that right. I would say, I want you to have perspective. So I'm going to point out. Right. I'm going to say, it seems like this. Right. Really blatantly. I think that might right. be Those the be difference. Very different. Yeah. Heather, one of the, or one of the dynamics of confabulation that we haven't spent too much time talking about, there is the potential for medical components or medical right. complications that contribute to or cause confabulation. So our final point, what next? Right. When you realize a counselor, I'm sorry, you realize a client or a supervisee is involved in some confabulation, you have, like we just discussed, handled it in a session by reflecting, mm-hmm. thinking, examining. Is there a next step? I think there could be. You could look at this and say, wow, there might need to be some medical intervention here. Mm-hmm. And remember, confabulation isn't something that can just be so subtle all the time. Sometimes it can be more abrupt or more obvious. Yeah, obvious. And if that's the case and you're picking up on it very, very quickly, there might be a medical issue that needs to be mm-hmm. examined. Mm-hmm. Might need to see a neurologist. We might need to get referrals to different avenues medically that could help. I was thinking kidney infection. Right. I mean, Especially that in someone elderly. older, right. right? Someone older with a kidney infection, you might see some of this right. confabulation and it might be one of the first mm-hmm. signs that you can see outwardly that something's going on. Right. right. What are some other examples of medical concerns that, that were listed in our article that can contribute? Dementia was one of them. Mm-hmm. Substance abuse 
uh, head trauma. Head trauma. Trauma. Right, trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember. There was something else about a malformation in the corpus callosum that connects each half of the brain. Mm-hmm. There was something in there about um, that. If that is damaged or doesn't develop all the way, this can happen. Sure. Potentially a head injury, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so those would be things that you would want to at least be mindful of or consider. Right. And then you, you would be thinking about who you might refer out to, right. which would mean confronting the confabulation a little bit, at right. least with the client. Right. And depending on your client would then depend on your approach because mm-hmm. you might have to really soft step it and talk them into it. Mm-hmm. Or you might be able to bring in maybe a significant other or uh, someone mm. of significant importance in their life. I like that. Um, so that could be a next step, right? right? That after you've addressed it with the client or the supervisee in a session that you bring in someone else, kind of like collateral information right. to help you better understand, is this what mm-hmm. I think it is? Right. Well, thanks, Heather. I think this was an um, interesting topic for us today. Very different. <laughs> Thinking about confabulation. Thanks again for listening to Supervision with a Vision. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.